0: Upper Room Discourse, where we dissect the meaning of Christian music and the history of Scripture. I'm
1: Felipe Marin, And I'm Dakota Childress. What will we discuss this week? Keep listening to find out.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Upper Room Discourse.
1: I'm yeah. Felipe Marin. I'm Dakota Childress. And this is actually going to be the start of a new series for Advent. Yep. Very excited. You know, we had Thanksgiving. That was fun. It was a good episode.
0: Yep. Go check it out. You know, shared some gratitude, things we were thankful for and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh but now we get to the real season. The real reason to be thankful and have gratitude. Exactly. Christmas. Christmas. Well, specifically Jesus Christ. Yes. The reason for the season. Yes,
0: the reason for the season. <laughs> Uh, so, i uh, very excited to do this series on Advent. Uh, so, I don't know if many of you listeners know what Advent is. Uh, do you know what Advent is, Dakota? I have a feeling, but go ahead. It, it's a Catholic thing, yeah. is where it originated from, was with the Catholic Church. Uh, but it comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning arrival. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas.
1: Right. Which is why we're going to be talking about Advent. Uh, we're going to be going through the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be talking about like you know different songs as well um, that have to do with this you know Christ with Christmas, yep. um, you know, a lot of things, a lot of information is going to be the same, um, but I mean it's going to be good. It's yep. Advent, so you can't talk about the same thing when it comes to scripture enough. It's true.
0: Uh, so today we're going to be talking about the first week of Advent, uh, which is hope is our first theme. So each week of Advent is going to have a theme. Uh, so I guess a little bit of history about what advent is Uh, so there's five candles Uh, there's three purple candles and a pink candle and they're arranged in a wreath so they go around in a circle and uh there's also a white candle that goes in the center as well Uh, so they light the candles every sunday so uh, there's going to be so obviously four candles four weeks right and then the last candle is lit on christmas eve or christmas day Hmm. and in the case of this year it's going to be on Christmas Day because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Sunday, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Uh, so the first candle, which is a purple candle, uh, it is called the Prophet's Candle, and it represents hope and expectation, and uh, essentially it symbolizes the anticipation of the Messiah. Looking at the Old Testament and the prophecies foretelling of his coming.
1: Right, and I think that's um, you know good as we're going to be looking at Matthew today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Old Testament references in Matthew, um, and we'll kind of go over you know the different parts of Christ's life. But yeah. if you if you read it, you can see those you know major points. Uh, Matthew and Mark very similar in their mm-hmm. um, style, where they reference a lot of Scripture, Old Testament, and how it connects to Jesus' life and how it's fulfilled. Yeah, uh, so I want to bring up this is probably like, I guess like
0: the main Christmas. That people always bring up, but Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, everybody knows them. Uh, this is going to be the ESV version. Most people probably know the King James. Uh, yeah, I'd be one of those people that actually know the King James version over the ESV, but I think that's just because it's so well known. Uh, but it's written, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and a government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of peace of the increase of his government and of his peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So,
1: yeah, Uh, I was going to say that, um, that goes into what, you know, Matthew talks about or how it's supposed to be written. Mm -hmm. Jesus has king Mm -hmm. and, that's heavily implied, at, you know, throughout the whole book of Matthew, and we'll see that later.
0: Yeah, you know, and I just when you read these verses, there's so much hope there, you know, because mm-hmm. they're like, this is who has been given, right? You know, this is who was born, yeah, and this is who he is, and this kingdom will have no end. You know, there's a lot of hope there,
1: right? And it's also a prophecy and a mm-hmm. and a blessing. Yeah.
0: Uh, so for our song review for today, we're going to be looking at. You guys may not know this song i mean it's a very popular song it was popular years ago a hope was born this night it was written by sidewalk prophets and uh, in case you guys don't know who sidewalk prophets are they're a contemporary christian band out of nashville
1: they're a good band they have a lot of good songs um very popular band are they still around
0: they are still around they actually put out an album i think in 2021 really i think
1: i think they're on tour right now i could be wrong completely they're also a pretty old band. They were they putting are. stuff out in the early 2000s, I think. They're early 2000s. So uh, I've been around for a long time.
0: They're on the same level as uh, 10th Avenue North. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess we're, like, talking all history now. They won uh, New Artist of the Year back in, like, 2011 or something like that. 10th Avenue North won it the year before. Yeah. So they're kind of, like, similar in years, early 2000s, though, for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard the song before, Dakota? Before today? N- I don't think so. Um... Honestly, can't say I have, you know, mostly during the Christmas season, I find myself listening to the same songs, the same songs, yeah, the classic Christmas carols, you know, mm-hmm. especially Nat King Cole. Yep. was uh, <laughs> it, the Christmas song? That's my favorite song. Yeah, good song. But this is an even better song.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love this song a whole lot. Uh, so a little bit of history on who Sidewalk profits are. You probably know their singles. Uh, so it was Live Like That, very popular single. Yeah. Uh, you Love Me Anyway. Pretty sure that was their first number one hit. Probably. And uh, The Words, I Would Say. Another very popular, very well-known song by them.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably their three most popular, I would think. They are. As soon as you said them, I was just like, oh, yeah. Those are the three that, like, topped the charts. Yeah. They've only
0: had one number one hit, but the other ones got pretty close. Only one. Yeah. Uh, So this song uh, was specifically written by Ben McDonald and Dave Frey. Uh, So that would be the guitarist and the singer. Of the band, right, uh, and it was actually originally written in 2010, and it appeared on a EP titled "Come Now Our King," which was uh, had multiple various artists on it, and it was released by World Entertainment, and that was on November second of 2010. So that's kind of like the first release of the single, right? Uh, but it actually it does appear on an album on their "Merry
1: Christmas to You" album, which released in 2013, and it was the 11th track on that. It's pretty big time gap between a release and an initial release and then a re-release yeah uh, it, di- it does reappear later uh, when they made another
0: Christmas album they redid it there's like a upped version of it and I haven't listened to that version of the song uh, good luck finding that EP by the way it's called Come Now Our King uh, best I can tell it does not exist anymore even on Spotify I finally found it but when you play the song it plays the versions from the, the new albums one. it doesn't play yeah. the versions from the EP so I couldn't find the EP anywhere. Maybe it's a copyright issue. Could be. I don't know. Uh, I guess someone from World Entertainment, if you're listening to this, you can hit me up. Let me know what
1: happens to that EP. If it somehow, yeah. <laughs> if it somehow makes it to you at uh, World Entertainment, send us that link.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let's go into the song. Uh, it's a very simple order of lyrics. So it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Then there's a bridge. And they do the chorus twice, and then there's a tag at the end. So very standard model of songwriting. At least when it comes to, like, pop music. Right. Uh, I label this as kind of like a song of proclamation, uh, almost heralding a little bit. Uh, I mean, you can definitely hear that with the main chorus line. You know, this comes straight from the Scripture, straight from Luke chapter 2. Yeah. Uh, I also label this as a Christmas song. I feel like you can label songs as Christmas songs.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a Christmas song. I mean, it's got all the Christmas elements to it. It So, I don't think it's unright. Yeah. So wrong to say that's not a Christmas song. Uh I did I give did it a Christmas an song? Uh, I did give it an
0: audience. Uh I think the audience is the world. Basically anybody that can hear it.
1: It's he's proclaiming. Yeah, I mean if you really think about um what the word angel means mm-hmm. in Greek, um it's like a herald. Mm-hmm. Um and what are they heralding? Uh well it says they say we bring great tidings of good news. Yep. Um, good news, if you look at it in Greek, is euangelion, mm-hmm. where we get the word um, evangelize. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just somebody who proclaims the gospel, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing. Uh, even before Christ was born, that's mm-hmm. what Isaiah was doing. And then, you know, the night that Christ is born, that star is shining. Exactly. You know, they go out to the wise men. Well, they go. You know, the shepherds. I mean, yeah, not the wise men, the but the wise men saw the star. They did, yeah. Um, but they go to the shepherds, and that's what they proclaim. You know, mm-hmm. the Messiah is here, the Christ is born, yeah, come, come see him. him. Yep. And they do. Uh, so, musicality.
0: We look at singability, we look at melody, things like that. The song is in a key of G. Okay, good old happy G. Good old G. I wrote down that the song sounds very Christmassy. Uh, it's probably the bells. There's bells through the song like that opening when they do like the bells they do like the doo do 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 with the bells A you know what i'm talking about yeah and i'm like i mean it's like you hear as soon as you hear those bells you're like oh it's christmas right like it's just right there in your head uh, i do like the instrumentation in the song uh, i do th- i think the drums are probably what shine the best There's a lot of cool, interesting points with the drums, and obviously there's a drum beat throughout the whole thing. Once Mm -hmm. it picks up, you can hear that drum beat. That kind of propels. It's a very rhythmic song. Uh, The other thing is the electric guitar right at the start with that intro. That intro is like, very iconic to this song, I feel like. It's a really cool intro.
1: Yeah, I want to listen to it again. Too bad we can't do it on the podcast. I know.
0: I mean, I can kind of like... Y- you can do it
1: yourself yeah, kind of sing yeah. it. it It's like a
0: doo Like it's just a really cool riff. I really like it. Uh, the song can be fun to jam out to. I definitely think it can be, but it's not much of a bop. I think the fact that it's a Christmas song helps because it doesn't matter what the song is. If it's a Christmas song, you already want to bop to it. Right. You know there's joy already in there, but it, the song is a little slow. You know it's very simple, a little slow, uh, so I think you have to like really work at it if you want to jam out to it.
1: Right. I guess the question would be: Do you find yourself mm-hmm. listening to the song like you would? Uh, and I don't even want the words to come out of my mouth. Mariah's Car- Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas." Yeah, that song is a bop. <laughs> yeah, and the in the Christmas world, it is.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, what else did I have? The melody. Okay. So I've already mentioned it's simple. Uh, There is a little bit of trickiness in the bridge. Uh, He kind of draws out the notes a little bit. in the final chorus obviously he changes the melody slightly, not anything crazy, though. Uh, Very easy to sing, I think. Uh, But what I really like about the melody is the way it's built. So there's two phrases in the melody. Uh, So obviously, we know the song is written in stanzas. You can see it on the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Song is written in stanzas. Uh, Each stanza has two parts at least melody-wise. Right. You know, and each of those phrases have a call and response. And the way he sings it, there's the call and then there's the response. And then there's almost the extended call in the next line and then a shorter response there. Uh, At least in the way the melody goes. And I really like when artists do that, when we get that call and response in the music. Mm. I love that.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen uh, quite a few songs Mm -hmm. as we've gone throughout the last, However many weeks that do that yeah yeah uh the w- some one better we, than
0: others but one that comes to mind is uh what was it to god be the glory yeah is one that comes to mind which we sang recently on a sunday that was really cool i,
3: guess I don't know if you remember i though. don't yeah, remember we but we recently I mean, did it on a sunday
0: i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> i gave it a five out of five i think that's a pretty fair thing i mean you can maybe take a little bit away because it's I don't want to use the word boring because it's not boring, right? But it's a little slow. Uh, but I don't like. I love the song. It's. I think it's a five out of five when it comes to the music.
1: Yeah, I think when you think of Christmas songs, mm-hmm. uh, they're upbeat. Always. They got the bells, the jingles. Um, they get your spirit high. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for the season, whether you know it's a good thing or not, you know mm-hmm. whether the song is secular or Christian. Um, obviously, I've only heard this song once, but. I think it sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of, you know, like like you said, kind of in the middle. Yeah. You know, not too slow, but not... Like crazy. It's not like... Yeah, not like Jingle Bells. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, moving on into poeticness. This is basically looking at the flow, looking at the grammar. Uh, there is a lot of repetition in this song, uh, namely in the title. You know, Hope Was Born This Night is the most used. It's It appears in every stanza. It does. Except for the bridge, it's in every stanza. I like, I do like a lot of the flow with how the song is structured. So obviously, I mean, we can talk about the storytelling. There's great storytelling in this song. Mm -hmm. Like you can see it in the verses. Like it's just, like he does a great job of putting you right there where he's at. And you can, you just can see the scene in your head. Uh, But the way the stanzas are constructed is what I kind of want to look at. Uh, So they're kind of three line stanzas is how I did it. Uh, Depending on how you look at lyrics, they might split it into four. Uh, but I think the three makes more sense in the way they're structured.
1: Yeah. I think that's, uh, it's kind of how it's broken up on here yeah. on the website I'm looking at.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there's a line, a line doesn't rhyme. Uh, B line does rhyme. And then there's C line, which C line is essentially hope was born this night. is right. our C line. Uh, and it, do- it doesn't do as like perfectly like it could, uh, But what I really love is how B line always references A line and it kind of connects that A line to the C line. You know, we have our A line tonight. I can see a star shine and its splendor fills up the sky. Mm -hmm. Then we have our B line. It's the same that appeared in the wise men revered
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and our C line when hope was born this night. And I think that's a really cool flow. And you can see that throughout, even in the chorus. You know, our A line glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And b Line, let all of the world sing that chorus of joy because hope was born this night. You know, I love that flow. I think it's a really cool flow that this song has.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I was yeah. The the beginning mm-hmm. sets it up, mm-hmm. and then the second half of it just kind of you know expounds on it. I think yeah. you see that a lot in scripture too, especially with um, with the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very specific writing style. I think we probably talked about it before. Um, and I can't think of what it's called, but it's exactly as you described it, where, you know, you have the first line, it says, you know, something. Mm -hmm. Um, So, which in this case, we'll take, you know, verse one, tonight I can see a star shine Mm -hmm. and its splendor. And then he explains it, you know, the same that appeared in the wise men revered. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it really does set up the scene, like in your head. And I think that's also a very, um, you know, good job on their end Mm -hmm. of... You know word usage, yes, and getting that imagery into your head so that you can see it.
0: Yeah, it's a very poetic song. I love it. Like if this was like in a poetry book, I think it would be like ten stars.
1: Yeah, honestly, I could see this being like a, uh, uh, you know, the children's picture books for yep. Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> one of those because yes. it almost has that kind of it flow does. to it. Like a, it does. Like an almost Dr. Susie kind of flow.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. It does. That's really cool. I give it a five out of five. I don't think there's any argument on that at nah. all. <laughs> like even with the rhyming like i always love when they do rhyming and when they do it well sometimes it's hard to rhyme well but in this song they rhyme pretty well uh, moving on into evocation the vibe check uh, i do think this passes the vibe check in probably most christmas songs will pass the vibe check not all of them i mean there is a uh, baby it's cold outside that does not pass the vibe check
1: yeah and then there's that one about um the kid trying to buy his mom's shoes yeah that's pretty bad too doesn't pass the vibe <laughs> check either but this one does Absolutely. i mean i definitely think, oh well. i was gonna say definitely like like we've been saying just kind of evokes the feelings that need to be there mm-hmm. uh the right feelings because this is a christian contemporary christmas song yes
0: I, I wrote down that it does what it intends to do it gets you in the mood for christmas but and it's my favorite part it reminds you about what christmas actually is and what it represents right the birth of christ
1: you know i say you know my only one gripe about christmas in general Mm -hmm. and even you know songs christmas songs is that we focus so much on the night jesus was born i know and it's like you know jesus had a whole you know 33 years to live you know we don't have to just celebrate his birth at christmas uh, but I this, guess that's just become the tradition these days. Like,
0: is that like the start of a Talladega Nights joke?
1: No, not this time. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: not I would not recommend watching that movie. It's pretty. I mean, it's a funny movie, but it's a very inappropriate, very inappropriate movie. But they do reference about how like they like the baby Jesus more. Yeah, which is a funny scene. I mean, I I wouldn't recommend watching that scene. Actually, it's pretty bad. No. Uh. Anyways, I wrote down the biggest feeling evoked from this song is hope that we can have hope because of the night when Christ was born. Right. I think that's the biggest feeling you get out of the song, out of anything. I gave it a five out of five. Uh, I really, like I said, it's not like I was trying to give it a perfect score, but at the same time I was like, I don't see anything negative. Like I don't see any reason to take away when it comes to like the feelings you get from listening to the song.
1: Yeah. Like I said, my only negative thing is kind of what I just said. Mm -hmm. The whole, you know, we focus so much on the birth birth of Christ. You know, and I—I kind of hope we're going to go over that one song um, that you say is not a Christmas song in the future.
0: Oh, that's right. Are we going to go over that? We one? are going to be going over the Christmas song that's not a Christmas song.
1: Yeah. So look forward to that. But <laughs> you know, I think it's perfectly fine as well. You know, if you made a Christmas song mm-hmm. that's about like something else in Christ's life. Yeah. Not just his birth, but yeah. you know, it's kind of whatever. Yeah, what if they,
0: like, gave us one out of, like, the Old Testament prophecies or something? That'd be cool.
1: It would. I mean, you could probably make a Christmas song out of, like, Isaiah 53. Yeah. I don't see why not.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, most Christmas productions, they don't just do the birth. I mean, they also do the death, burial, and resurrection.
1: Yeah. I feel like we've gotten too set up in this way of we reserve Christmas for Mm. the birth of Christ, and then we reserve Easter for Mm – the death of Christ, and then somehow it just magically pans out. I say magically to where we just teach the rest of Christ the rest of the year. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think it's just kind of weird, but what if we just reversed it one time? We made Easter about the birth of Christ and then Christmas hey. about his death. I mean, that'd be, I mean, nothing wrong with that, no, for um, sure. But I guess it's just how we've been celebrating it, yeah, for thousands of years now, thanks to the Catholic Church, yep, and their <laughs> Advent season. Uh, Moving into the scripture,
0: uh, I have a lot to say here. You know, the song does have direct scripture quotation, which I love. I do think there's some lyrics in here that maybe can be theologically confusing. Uh, I definitely think Christians can have a lot of disagreements over some of the way the lines are said and kind of the teaching aspect, you know, which I hate to kind of like analyze that deeply, but you kind of have to in some parts of the song. Uh, So obviously I want to start with the best part of the song, the chorus of the heavenly host, which is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Yep. Uh, specifically, they reference the King James Version, because uh, obviously it's translated a couple different ways. But in the King James, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Mm-hmm. So, And I mean, that's the chorus of the song, basically. Uh, now, the things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Ancient of Days. It's mentioned in verse 2. Let me find the line. Here we go. I can hear the Christmas bells ring as softly a church choir sings. It's the song used to praise the Ancient of Days when hope was born this night. Uh, I think that's a very strange reference to use Ancient of Days when this is a song about Christ and his birth and how we're connecting it to hope because that's not really... How we see ancient of days used in scripture, uh, so it's only mentioned three times in all of scripture. We see the phrase ancient of days. You know where that's found, probably Revelation. Close, uh, so the book of Daniel, chapter yeah. seven, uh, that's very the, similar content. Yeah, uh, that's the only time we see ancient of days written in all of scripture, right? And it's a direct reference to God the Father, right? You know, and I mean, obviously, we understand Jesus himself is God, but in Daniel chapter 7 Jesus is the son of man because the son of man goes and presents himself before the ancient of days there in Daniel chapter 7
1: Yeah that is that is a very interesting.
0: I think it's a weird reference. I get why he uses it probably because it rhymes. Right? Praise day, yeah. I don't know. I guess that's why I don't used know. to praise the
1: ancient of days.
0: I thought it was weird. Uh, the other thing is I'm not sure if a Christmas song is the song used to praise the Ancient of Days. Because, I mean, it's like, I'm not even like going to go to the point in that the song they're singing is glory to God in the highest. But it says, like, there's church bells ringing, so obviously it's Christmas and they're doing that, and they're singing softly. Uh, when I think of the song used to praise the Ancient of Days, I think of Isaiah 6, verse 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is filled with his glory. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, I mean the imagery used in many places of the Bible, where you see angels mm-hmm. singing to God, mm-hmm. or you know in Revelation when you see the people singing to God, yeah, is shouting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is kind of a interesting, maybe possibly weird, yes, uh, word usage here. Softly, as a church yeah. choir sings, because even and we talked about <laughs> this two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, choir. Yeah. All right, we went over this word, um, when we talked about Thanksgiving. A choir is lifting up praises, like throwing them up with shouts. Yeah. Um, and that's their whole purpose. Mm-hmm. It's literally what the I can't remember what the Hebrew word was. Um, so you can go back and watch that episode from a couple of weeks ago about Thanksgiving. Was it Yada? I think it, Toda and Yada. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Um. <laughs> so yeah. Like, go listen to those because one of them has to do with a choir. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Toda, And you're throwing praises out. Yeah. Not... Softly singing. God, it's praise God, <laughs> yeah. you know. Very uh, interesting, I guess. The other thing
0: I want to talk about is the use of metaphor in this song, uh, which I think is the right word. Uh, I'm not that good on literary devices. I think metaphor is the right word. For which part? Uh, the whole song? Uh, he he's he's equating the night like the current night with the night of Christ's birth you know he doesn't say when hope was born that night you know it's when hope was born this night you know cuz he's kind of putting himself into that spot and you kind of you can kind of see that in the storytelling through the whole song
1: yeah i think it i don't know if metaphor is the right word i don't think it is but it's the only one i could think of I, it's almost like um Superimposing yourself mm-hmm. into the story with like modernization,
0: that might be the better way of phrasing it
1: uh and what that means is um is it like this so out upon the snowy fields mm-hmm. um and you know the Christmas bells ring, Christmas bells ring mm-hmm. um softly as a church choir sings um so it's like he's trying to they're trying to connect both yeah. the you know scripture and um, the setting that we get from scripture, and then, um, like you would superimpose something into a picture. Yeah, um, doing that same thing with elements from modern day Christianity, mm-hmm. which I don't know what they're trying to get at with that.
0: I I find it interesting. Like, let's start with the night. Okay, Jesus was not born in the winter. Right. Jesus was not born on Christmas Eve. Obviously, right. this winter night is not the same night.
1: Obviously, yeah, and I think that's what we get a lot confused mm-hmm. is that, you know, Jesus wasn't pr- most likely born at the time of year we think he was.
0: No, it's it, like the springtime somewhere yeah. around there. There's, and even then, like debate.
1: even then, when you get to um, like the Magi and all of that, they were probably. Who knows what time of year it was.
0: Oh, there were definitely time afterwards.
1: Yeah, it was like two or three years possibly.
0: There's a reason why Herod said every kid two and under. Yeah. Because Jesus could have been as old as two.
1: Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, very interesting when you start bringing out things like, you know, snowy fields. Mm -hmm. And you uh, start taking everything we know of Christmas and applying that logic to the birth of Christ. Because it's not technically accurate. Right.
0: Uh, The other thing I want to talk about is the star. Obviously there's no way that the writer of this song is seeing the same star. Like, I mean, I I know it's like a literary device that they're using here, but at the same time, technically, you know, there's also a lot of debate on what that star was and what it looked like and how it moved and all that. There's a lot of debate about that.
1: Yeah, I do remember a couple of years ago, um, it's probably about two or three years ago now at this point, Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole thing on the news about there was this one star. Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't remember this. Um, so it was on the news, uh, and everybody talked about it. It was mm. this star that hadn't been seen in, like, 2,000 years, mm. and it was only appearing, like, during the winter months. And then it hasn't, as far as I know, like, for the past few years, it hasn't been back. So they were like, is this the star, the same star that interesting um, was around when Jesus was born? And I think they calculated it. To be like of, of the similar mm. time when it last appeared, but I'm not gonna you know sit here and put any credibility into yeah. that um, because you know for all we know that one star that appeared the night Christ was born all the way until the wise men mm-hmm. uh, found him could have just been a you know a freak thing that God did. I, I use that word kind of lightly, but it could have been just that one instance of God creating a star for one specific purpose, kind of like mm-hmm. the fish that swallowed Jonah hmm Um and then never again it'll be seen.
0: Exactly. And I mean again, there's so much debate. Like some people are like, it's just like there were like three planets that like got together and like a line. Yeah. So it looked like a really, really bright star, you know. And you have to like define, you know, what are stars? You know, there's people that, you know, don't even believe that there's an outer space, you know, it's a whole yeah. thing. Like I mean, like there's a lot of debate on that. Yep. So I
1: don't know if I'd want to equate that
0: to a modern day. Yeah, like that's I would a dangerous just, thing.
1: Yeah, with stars and stuff. Um, I mean, they even say like, I don't. I mean, I don't know why we're going so deep into the star, <laughs> but I mean, they even say like, you know, some of the lights we see from stars now, mm-hmm. they've already exploded. Like, yeah,
0: that's true. They say that two
1: billion years ago, and it's like, bro, the <laughs> universe has only been around for a few thousand. Yeah. So, who knows? You can't trust science. Is what we're getting at, and be careful of what I'm saying is be careful of you know placing our presuppositions, our tradition mm-hmm. um into the Christmas story. Yeah. We
0: have to do proper exegesis
1: of the scripture. Yeah. You gotta look at scripture properly and I mean if you're doing it for and I think this is what they're getting yeah. at is like a is a um a literary device of yeah. some type. And I get what they're trying to do mm-hmm. in some sense, but in another sense is like should this really
0: yeah, and I think if you're mature enough and, like, understand what they're doing, it's, like, you're fine. But I feel like a young Christian that doesn't know, you know, like, all of a sudden they're being taught bad theology, mm-hmm. you know, because all of a sudden they're not taught what the actual scripture said. Right. They're being taught that, you know, shepherds
1: were out on a snowy field. And exactly. There were no snowy fields.
0: <laughs> there definitely were no snowy fields in that area of the world. No. <laughs> That's for sure. Even if it was winter. <laughs> right. About, like, North Carolina. Yeah uh the other thing i want to talk about is angels or uh in the case of the how it's written in the song angles angles i don't know why every official version of the lyrics i found it's spelled angles maybe it's a misspelling i'm not confused by that right it's supposed to be like angels like the the l and the e are supposed to be switched for angels right i'm not confused by that
1: a-n-g-e-l-s angels
0: that's what i thought yeah uh So I don't think he's actually seeing angels. When he says there's angels in this place, my heart resounded the praise. Like a shepherd, so scared, I'll rejoice and declare. Uh, I don't think that's like actually accurate. I think he's just like, that's what the shepherds did and what they saw. So I'm just kind of like them. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's actually seeing angels praising. And I don't think his
1: heart is actually resounding that praise that he's seeing. No. And I think that's, you know, Mm -hmm. something else that he's trying to do. Like he's trying to present... You know what the what the shepherds were seeing, and mm-hmm. I think on some degree he does a very good job of it. You know, because oh, yeah. they would have seen these, an- and absolutely. not just like a couple of angels, but a like host. a host, however many that is. Mm-hmm. Um is, billions if you want to say that. Yeah. Uh So I mean, just imagine seeing like billions of angels. I mean, That's you right. wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> Be scared out of your mind.
0: It's the truth. It's absolutely the truth. says, like a shepherd, so scared. I'm glad I just said that. Yeah. So I don't have as much issue there. I think the only issue is that mention of angels because, again, there's so much theology and angelology and so many things that people disagree on that it's like, you know, how do you even know what's correct or not?
1: Yeah, I think that's... um, And that's why we don't get into the world Mm -hmm. um, and you don't start listening to what... Everybody and their brother says, yeah, because what everybody and their brother says doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Sorry if that sounds mean and rude, um, but what the Bible says is what matters. Mm-hmm. When it says there was a host of angels there and uh, these shepherds were scared, uh, well, there was a host of angels there and the shepherds were scared. Yeah, um, we don't need to know the name of every angel that was there, exactly. Uh, we don't need to try and figure out you know, what the names of these shepherds were. I'm not saying that people do this, but Mm. you know, what God has written in the Bible is what we need to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. There might be deeper meaning and we might need to find that, but that doesn't mean, you know, going about and through angelology, demonology and stuff like that. Like stick to the scripture. Exactly. Stick to what scripture says and then wrestle with it in your mind. I mean, you can talk it out with other people, but I mean, don't go listening to anybody and everybody Mm -hmm. who has an opinion on what scripture says. Yes. Yes.
0: Exactly. Uh, I gave it a three out of five on Scripture uh, just because it's a little confusing. I think you could maybe argue four out of five, uh, but I just kind of settled in the middle.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I'd say probably three and a half, four. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's definitely reference of Luke. Absolutely. I mean, you can see that throughout the whole thing. I mean, Absolutely. I'm pretty sure like Luke is where everybody goes for the Christmas mm-hmm. story, you know, the birth of Christ. And you definitely see that throughout. Yeah. Matthew doesn't really... Cover it that much, but
0: no. Matthew's like, and the baby was born. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that's, that's it. <laughs> that's about how Mark is as well. But. Yeah, no, Mark. I don't think he even mentions it. He's just like Jesus just appeared. He just walked in. No, it starts with John the Baptist,
1: obviously, but it's like Jesus yeah. just appears. He's. They don't talk about the birth. Yeah, you kind of have to go to Luke for the whole birth and everything, and then
0: Luke has the most descriptive account.
1: Yeah, and he's also the one that does. You know, he's a historian, so mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Yeah.
0: Uh, so for a final score, I gave it a four and a half out of five. So, I mean, That's still a good really good score. Uh, I think this is a really great Christmas song. I love it. And I think the best part is it reminds us the reason for the season. Yeah. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. Right. And this song does a great job of showing us that.
1: Yeah, and I like how it ends. Mm-hmm. Gloria, Gloria, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. And I mean, obviously, it's also left at the very end. You know, the tag. We
0: didn't even mention the tag. I know hope was born this night because Christ was born this night. There's your main idea of the song right there. Right in the last line. Not much else to be said. Yeah. Uh, Now, the question should you play this on a Sunday morning with the congregation?
1: I don't think so. I I think think this should just be left to the radio.
0: (laughs) I agree. Uh, I think you should definitely add this to your Christmas playlist, yeah, if you have a Christmas playlist, Christmas add it playlist. To that. Uh, I don't think you should play this on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, as part of your like standard worship like that. like if you're doing like a Christmas production, sure, you know this could even be maybe a reflective song. I don't know, but I don't think it fits, yeah, I could morning.
1: see it. I could see it during like a Christmas production or something, yeah, if you like salt if you like sidewall prophets that much, yeah. yeah, go for it exactly you yeah. know uh, but that's
0: pretty much it when it comes to uh the review. I'm excited. Uh I well, we have one more thing. The Christmas scale. On a scale of 1 to 10, how Christmassy is this
1: song? Uh like traditional Christmassy. Mm, probably like a 7.
0: Okay. I was going to put uh,
1: like an 8 an on eight, a Christmas yeah. scale. Uh, that's probably the highest I would go. Yeah. Very Christmassy. Yes, for sure. Christmas Christian Christmassy.
0: Yeah, there we go. It's Christ just Christmassy. Christmassy. Yeah
1: yeah
0: uh, well anyways we're going to take a quick break and uh, then we're going to come back with our uh, word study and book study yep That's and Matthew exciting.
1: yeah Oakview Baptist Church is located at 810 Oakview Road on the corner of Johnson Street and Oakview join us for Bible fellowship every Sunday morning from 930 to 1030 and for service from 1045 to noon or on Sunday evenings from 6 to 7 for our evening service if you are a college age or a young adult You can join us for The View on Sunday evening at the same time as the main service. On Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8, we have Word of Life for the youth, Awana and Cubbies for the kids, and an adult Bible study led by our pastor. Check out the links in the description of the YouTube video for past services or more info. And we're back um, from that short little break. Yeah,
0: it was short for you guys. It's been a couple days for us. Short for you guys, yep. Uh, Some things had
1: come up, so yeah. here we are. We're in different clothes. Uh, It's like the middle of the day right now. Yeah, I don't have my laptop out. Early afternoon. People on YouTube, obviously. Uh, I don't have my laptop out. It's dead.
0: Yeah. Because of course it is.
1: Uh, It's just how things go, you know? Life comes up. Yeah. Anyways, um, so talking about hope talking about Mm -hmm. uh advent yep, right and we're going to be looking at you know the first of the gospels um at least you know in your bible Mm -hmm. um not necessarily written first Mm -hmm. we will get to that in a second and then we're going to be looking about this word hope uh we're also going to be looking at i think the word king as well if i have that down here i do yes um but yeah let's just go ahead and get started um what do you know about matthew I know that
0: uh, it's got a lot of Old Testament prophecies that we see uh, fulfilled and mentioned. Uh, I know Matthew tends to write towards like Jewish people. So like there's a lot of Jewish references. So if you're a Jew, you would really kind of catch those references while you're reading.
1: Yeah. Um, Now, what do you know about Matthew being written? Um, Is this the first gospel written? Is it the second? It's not, right? Was I'm trying to think, wasn't it Mark that was written first? Yeah, it's kind of debated. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's this one or Mark. I think most people will lean towards Mark. Yeah. Um and I think it's just because of like structure wise, content mm-hmm. wise. Um and Matthew and Mark are very similar. Yes, they uh, you know, a lot of similar details, similar writing styles, um, just a few different, you know, things here and there that are, you know, put in different places, but overall very similar. Um, So we kind of just want to go ahead and get into it. Um, And you got to remember when this is written, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just like every single book of the Bible, it's written 2,000 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what we're looking at here with Matthew um, is first century, all right, A.D. Um, And A.D. does not mean after death. Uh, It's Anno Domini in the year of
0: our Lord. Lord, Or or the
1: Lord, Lord. yeah. Yeah. Um, so 1st century AD, so the first 100 years, right, uh, is sometime when Matthew was written. Not too entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, could have used Mark as an example, you know, kind of, like I said, different or a very similar writing style, very similar structure and things like that. Um, but one of the cool things about Matthew um, is how it presents Jesus. Yeah. And that's as a king. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what's the problem with how Matthew presents Jesus and the Jewish people does right. that make does that question make sense?
0: Possibly are you talking about like the king that they expected yeah versus the king they got exactly
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so what kind of what kind of king were they looking for? I mean obviously they were
0: looking for someone on a white horse you know coming in to get you know get rid of the Romans who are in here kind of in charge. Mm -hmm. you know, kick out the Romans and establish, you know, Israel again as a nation.
1: Yeah. And what did they end up getting? They got the servant king, the king that came,
0: you know, to serve, to give his life. Mm -hmm.
1: And he was born in that manger, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you don't know what a manger is, it's basically like a trough for, Mm -hmm. you know, feeding animals. And so he was born outside. Um, But yeah, so just get into some of the content of Matthew. Um, You know, Matthew chapters one and two. Kind of title of these the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get the genealogy, and then that's chapter one, you know, the vision to Joseph. And then chapter two, visitors arrive, the Magi, of course. Yeah. And what, and you know, we have this huge misconception about Magi. We and, do. What, and what is it?
0: Uh, well, first off, that they're like these old men, right? Right. Uh, but also, they think they like they were there at his birth when
1: Jesus was born. Yeah. A lot of people think. And it probably took them actually how long to get there?
0: Sometime, like over a year for sure, maybe even two years.
1: Yeah. And we also have to remember that there might not have been just three wise men. No, they <laughs> probably have been, had like
0: a whole procession and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. These dudes were rich. I mean, we can we can look at the things they were bringing. Mm-hmm. Myrrh, frankincense, and gold. Yeah. Like, these are top of the line. Some good gifts. <laughs> so top of the line gifts, gifts yeah. too, if
0: you know what each of those mean and what they represent. And what do they mean and represent? So we have the gold, obviously, mm-hmm. that represents the kingship. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus is a king. They get brought gold to the king. Uh, the one I like, it, frankincense. You know, frankincense is something that they used in the temple. It's something that the priest would use, you know, and it shows how Jesus himself is a priest. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the myrrh, that's what used, it's used in burial. So it represents how Jesus would one day give his life.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you'd also see, you know, each of these things mm-hmm. used in... Mm-hmm. temple in the olden days yes you do uh you know silver and gold will be given as gifts um after the army went out and took Mm -hmm. over somebody you know incense used during um sacrificial celebrations yeah and then um yeah the myrrh Mm -hmm. you know and so that's chapters one and two you know just talking about the wise men talking about you know the birth of jesus uh in matthew not much happens here um, he does actually go through like the list of all of you know Jesus' ancestors, and then yes. we get something interesting in here, right? Oh, there's in a his,
0: there's a mention of five women,
1: yeah. in the genealogy of Jesus,
0: which is interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. And you can find e- each of them or a reference to each one in the Old Testament, you some can. by name, and then you know Mary's not necessarily referenced by name, mm-hmm. uh, but she is referenced. Yeah, you know, I brought the, up the verse. You know, the virgin shall conceive mm-hmm. and give birth to a son. Right. And so then, you know, just kind of continuing on, you know, I kind of rate this, um, I was putting it on a scale a minute ago of like mm-hmm. one to 10 doctrinally, uh, 10 out of 10, Yeah. right? And and what that means, you know, is what these two chapters are about, and this is critically important mm-hmm. for the rest of the book, the rest of the gospel, you know, Christianity in general, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is born, okay? Jesus is God yes the son of God specifically like the person who is the son of God you know you've God the father God the son who becomes Jesus mm-hmm. and then God the Holy Spirit right so that God the son okay and we find this in Philippians 2 mm-hmm. right that God the son comes and he you know some would argue empties himself yeah and takes on flesh takes on humanity takes on more uh, a mortal body hmm Okay, and he's still fully God, but now he's fully human. Yes, and that's critically important. If you don't believe that, no, there's, not, there's no point. Like that's
0: the most critical thing.
1: Yeah, and I, I would say that's you know besides, you know his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. There, there's three things, right? You know his godhood and manhood, mm-hmm. the incarnation, mm-hmm. and then his death and resurrection. Yes, those are the, probably the three most critical. Mm-hmm. Not even probably, they are the three most critical things when it comes to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the Son of God. Absolutely, and the Christian faith. And the Christian faith, yeah. Without those, there are there is no Christian faith. Yeah, there is no Christian. Fundamental, those. fundamental. Uh, so continuing on, um, we also get into chapter 3, and we mm-hmm. get to another very important person um, in chapters, I mean, it's going to span from chapters 3 to 10, mm-hmm. um, but we're introduced to John the Baptist, um, and why is he so important? Well,
0: he's uh, well. first off, he's Jesus' cousin, mm-hmm. uh, but he's
1: the last prophet. He is the last Jesus. prophet. Yeah. And what basically happens when um, we meet John is that Jesus and John, you know, Jesus knows about John already, yeah. about how he's been baptizing, teaching repentance, because he knows the scripture,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so he comes to John and he says, hey, John, you're going to baptize me. And, you know, John's like, uh, I'm not worthy to do that. Baptize you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so Jesus, uh, he gets baptized by John anyways. And then, you know, uh, the spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. Yep. And so that's where Jesus' ministry begins. And then he starts his fishing. Mm-hmm. Right. And we see that plenty of times throughout uh, the gospel. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. Yep. But to make fishers of men, you've got to be a fisher first. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is. And so he goes, um, and he starts his ministry in the wilderness, 40 Mm -hmm. days and 40 nights. We all know Mm -hmm. lots and lots and lots of Deuteronomy quotes here. Mm -hmm. And we went through them all when we looked at Deuteronomy. So you can go check that podcast out, you know, keep on going. And I, and you said earlier, this is, uh, we were talking before the, Mm -hmm. you know, the break. Um, but chapter five, Mm. this is the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon
0: on the Mount, the best sermon ever given.
1: Yeah. And this is one of your favorite passages, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. You know,
0: yeah, go ahead. I was just about to be like, you know, here at our church, you know, we spent a long time just in the Sermon on the Mount. We did five, six, and seven, a series on just that. Mm -hmm. And then recently we did the whole book of Matthew. So we did the Sermon on the Mount again. How how many weeks did we spend? I mean, we spent like three months just on the Beatitudes. Probably
1: something like that. Maybe longer. Spent Uh, over a year in Matthew. Yeah. Over a year in Matthew. Lots of content. But, um, and he goes through literally, uh, you know, starting in verse 17, you know, the kind of subtitle in my, mm-hmm. in my Bible here is Jesus teaches about the law. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of, that's literally what he does. He just goes through the law and expounds on it and uh, he makes it applicable. And I think one of the interesting things about Jesus' teaching style is that things he teaches, he puts uh, kind of obscurely is mm-hmm. so that the people have to, you know, force themselves to come to an understanding. That's true. And, and he speaks in parables a lot because of that.
0: Yeah. We see that a lot later in the book. We see it over and over again, him using parables.
1: Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things that happens here, uh, we talked about this, um, the Leviticus, mm-hmm. I believe it is. When we went through all the laws, those, yeah. those two weeks, um, chapter eight, we get a very important passage here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus heals a man with leprosy Yeah, uh, as far as I know and I talked about this I think it was Leviticus mm-hmm. but as far as I know um, this is the only reference to a Jewish man mm-hmm. being healed of leprosy and that's important because nobody in the Old Testament there's yep. no reference to it yep. a Jewish man with leprosy being healed and they had a whole law for it so go So no, they go check out um, that Leviticus podcast as well and go check out Leviticus. Like as Felipe said earlier, there is going to be a lot of Old Testament references here because that's just how Matthew works. Uh, he has a lot here. Like Luke is the historian, mm-hmm. but Matthew is is writing this for the Jewish people, and mm-hmm. they know the scriptures. Yep, and so they're going to know all these references. Um, so you know, on a scale of like one to ten, right? I kind of put it as a. You know, and and it's chapters three through 10 we're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, ministry begins. Jesus starts fishing. He's doing some of these, you know, miracles and stuff. Yeah. I put it around a seven mm-hmm. because while we do get the Beatitudes, right, a lot of it is healing. And we're trying to think about this doctrinally, right? Mm-hmm. Like how doctrinal is like this whole group of chapters. Yeah. And I think it, I think it sits at a good seven, maybe eight out of ten as far as like what's there. Like, you have the spurts of, you know, Jesus heals the, leper, the leprous man. Mm-hmm. You have the Beatitudes and things like that. But then you just have a lot of other miracles worked as well.
0: Yeah, we kind of get more of, like, the narrative stuff going on about Jesus going out mm-hmm. and healing and teaching and stuff like that, basically.
1: Yeah, and you only get, a, um, I think, a couple of disciples during this time. Mm-hmm. And so then we start coming up on chapters 11 and 12. All right. And chapters 11 and 12, I would say, are so critically important. Um, because a very important question gets brought up, mm-hmm. and that's from John's disciples. And basically they ask him, they're like, who are you? Yeah. They, they come up to Jesus, and they're like, who are you? And there's, there's you know, debate. Is he a prophet? Mm-hmm. Is he Elijah? Is he just some random Joe? And, you know, he basically tells them, like, what you see mm-hmm. me do is a testimony of who I am yeah, and where I come from. And so I would put this on a like a 10 out of 10 scale, 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Because he basically sits there and tells them, yeah, I am God. I'm mm-hmm. the son of God. And you'll see that through what I do. yeah. And some pretty important verses to note. Um, we got chapter 11, 25 through 28, um, chapter 12, 46 through 49. I would star that, highlight it in your Bible. Um, Those verses, uh, chapter 12 and verse 8, chapter 12 and verse 30, and then 38 through 42. Uh, So just go check those out in your own time. Um, And then you'll see what I'm talking about, why those are so important. And then moving on, um, yeah, my question, you know, for those two is who is Jesus? Mm -hmm. That was kind of the question slash title I gave those, you know, that section of chapters. And then Matthew 13 through 16. Mm -hmm. All right. Miracles, parables, confession.
0: Where the parables start coming in.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of more of this build-up. Um, you know, he's got all of his disciples. Um, definitely more narrative again. Um, and we do get all these parables, and we start getting into the kingdom parables. We do. Lots and lots of parables here. Yeah. And so, why does Jesus speak in parables?
0: They Actually, he gives us an explanation. Is it in 14 where we get that explanation, or is it like still in 13? I can't remember. Uh, but there, there's probably a subtitle. If you guys look in your Bible, you'll see a subtitle that says, Why Jesus Spoke in Parables. Uh, But really, he quotes Isaiah. So Mm -hmm. it's like hearing they don't hear and seeing they won't see, you know, basically hiding things. Only a set amount, like number of people are actually the ones able to know and to see. You know, for example, the disciples are the ones to understand.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, we go back to what the Jewish people are looking for. Mm -hmm. They're looking for this warrior king, this conqueror. Mm -hmm. And then they get this... um, they get this humble man. They get this man who is of low birth. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I say low birth, but he's of the lineage of David, yeah, the I king. Mean, yeah, so he is of noble king. birth. Yeah. Um, but they would have considered him low birth.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, what would the crowds have done if they knew who Jesus was? Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people underestimate the power of a crowd, but these were thousands upon thousands of people following him and listening him. You know, if they had any idea that they thought he was the Messiah, the king, you know, they would have immediately, you know, marched him into Jerusalem and been like, take your throne. Yeah. You know?
1: And it's actually in chapter 13, uh, right before he starts giving the parables Mm -hmm. where the disciples ask, why do you speak to them in parables? And he says, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. Yep. Right. And so I think it's, you know, something else interesting is there are uh, a plethora Mm -hmm. of Old Testament verses where we see God saying, I'm going to harden their hearts. Yes. And I'm going to take away their wisdom and understanding. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. And that's where this comes in. That's why he speaks in parables, Jesus. And so that only a few will understand. And that's the point, Mm. because only a few will understand. And so like on a scale of like one to 10, Right. Uh, we get these parables. They're really important. But overall, you know, verses, chapters 13 through 16, I put them out at 7 or 8 yeah. in terms of doctrine-wise. Like, we're teaching about the kingdom, teaching these parables about who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. Uh, so I'd say about a 7. Kind of, yeah, you know. Pretty important. It, it is important, but, you know, kind of sits a little more in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. but not at a 10 out of 10, right? Yeah. And then we get to chapter 17, uh, chapter 17 through 20, right? and i titled this um and it'll make sense when we get to the next section of chapters but transfigured for triumph okay and these are chapter 17 is at least very important um because we get the transfiguration mm-hmm. and very what and what does this important. do for jesus
0: uh, it it just shows who he is you know he goes up onto that mountain you know and moses and elijah are there Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, I think it fulfills Old Testament prophecy as well, that happening.
1: Mm-hmm. And something interesting is, you know, we go from chapter 17, this transfiguration, mm-hmm. and they see before them two of the greatest people of the Old Testament yep. standing there with God yep. on a mountain, right? And then chapter 18, right? They begin to argue. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Yep, and And you almost want to be like, you nitwits. I know. Like, you literally just saw Moses and Elijah. Well,
0: it was just a few of them. Just it was, a, it
1: was Peter, and I think James and John. Yeah, but still enough of them, Yeah, you know. But, you know, talk like that gets everybody going. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they're all sitting there like, yeah, who is the greatest? Is it me, or is it him, yeah. or, you know. Yeah. And Jesus has to shut that down quickly. He's like, you know, the least of these is the greatest. Mm-hmm. And so... It's just interesting because they come off the mountain. They just saw Jesus get transfigured, yep. you know, the few of them. And then they ask this question. And it's like, bro, really? So, you know, for these, uh, this section of verses, this section, I keep wanting to say verses, uh, but this section of chapters, um, I gave it seven out of 10. We also get uh, in chapter 19, marriage and divorce teaching. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is very strict on marriage and divorce.
0: Very powerful. What God has joined together, let no man tear apart.
1: Mm-hmm. And then in chapter 20, um, something interesting. Jesus has predicted his death three times. Yes. And his disciples still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would I would be like, you know, are they ever going to understand it? Mm-hmm. And I would say the answer to that is no. Mm-hmm. Not until after it happens. Yeah. So then we get to verse, tw- verse 21, chapter 21. Um, you know, Jesus has been traveling since, you know, Round chapter 15, 16, mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. And now he's finally arrived. And what's happening here? Give us a scene.
0: Uh, is this where we have the triumphal entry? It is. Yeah. So we entered the last week of Jesus' life here. Uh, very big part in Matthew. I think a lot of people, this might be their favorite section of chapters. Yeah. You guys that have read, you know it's about to come in here in Matthew. Uh, but that triumphal entry is so big. you know, mm-hmm. It fulfills Old Testament prophecy. Mm-hmm. you know, And we see Jesus coming into the city
1: yep one of the saddest things um when we get to this point right is these people are praising him mm-hmm. these people are putting down the palm branches they're saying they're putting down their coats hosanna hosanna but
0: or, or as it actually is pronounced hoshiana Hoshianna. it's a old testament it's a psalm that they're quoting
1: but do you know what the saddest part about this whole scene is mm. when you get to chapter twenty one and verse eleven and it says and the crowds were saying. This is the prophet Jesus mm-hmm. from Nazareth in Galilee. Yeah, and they're sitting here calling him Hosanna, mm-hmm. and they want to recognize so badly who he is, and then they miss it. Yeah, completely. And so we keep moving on. Uh, Jesus is giving more parables, um, and one of my favorite verses to come out of Matthew is actually found in chapter twenty-two, mm-hmm. and it's verse. Uh, Let's see. 46. All right. So the Pharisees and Sadducees and the crowd and the people, they've been hitting him hard with questions, questions, Mm -hmm. questions, questions, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to trap him. Trying to get him tripped up so that they can accuse him of something. All right. And this is one of my favorite verses, and I'll explain it why. No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. Insane. And... Why that's one of my favorite verses in Matthew is because, and when we went over this verse that one Sunday morning, right? Mm-hmm. I went the next six chapters. There's not another question that anybody asks to Jesus except for the disciples. Mm-hmm. Nobody else asks him a question. Uh, and you can go do that research for yourself and you'll find that same exact thing. No Pharisee, no Sadducee, nobody in the crowd. They don't ask him any questions. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, this is the last week of his life. Yeah. And what time of year is it? Uh, the Passover. Mm-hmm. And why is that so important? At least for Jesus.
0: I mean, there's a lot of significance there, you know, because Jesus himself represents the lamb, mm-hmm. you know, and they put a lot of significance with that in connection with the Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. You know, we really just the idea of atonement and Jesus, and basically God passing over. That's what it was. God passed over, you know, the houses of the Israelites
1: there in Egypt. Yeah. And if you want more information on that, uh, go, go listen to the Deuteronomy uh, podcast, do some research and just read Deuteronomy in general. Like it goes through, you know, what the priests have to do to set up Mm -hmm. for Passover and for the sacrificing on the day of atonement. Yep. And so that's what we're going to see. And so really this whole section, um, you know, starting in chapter 21 goes through 28. Mm. And so, I kinda titled this, you know, The Kingdom Come. Yeah. Or The Return of the King, right? Uh what was it Star Wars? <laughs> Star Wars reference. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't think it actually matched up to the episode uh Return of the Jedi. I tried to make it like <laughs> as close as possible. That'd be funny, yeah. Uh but it kind of has some it has some truth to it though, right? Mm. Um because we get to the end. Okay, we get all the way to chapter twenty-eight mm. and Jesus' last words. Right, and he says, mm. you know, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, so in Himself, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you." And then this is, and this is why it's the return of the King. Mm. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yes. Right. So we know he's going to come back. And, you know, if we were reading Luke's gospel, we'd go straight into Acts mm-hmm. after this. Yeah, it looks like a
0: part one, part two. Mm-hmm.
1: And it gives us more context onto what happens a few days later. But, you know, he goes into the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's taken up and the angels are like, he's going to be back in the same way you just saw him go. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, that's kind of why I named it Return of the King, um, because he, that's what he's going to return as, yep. the king, mm-hmm. the one and only. The king that they expected. Exactly. And more. On the white horse. Yep. And he's going to have a sash around him, his true name, mm-hmm. and he's going to come to remake everything. it's that Revelation 19, I think? 19. 19 or 20 of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, everybody's going to be falling on their face. It's not going to be any of this kneeling. It's going to be, mm-hmm. at least when I picture it in my head, it's going to be a flat on the ground, like you're too scared to move. Mm-hmm. That's just how powerful that pre- his presence is going to be, right? Um, So some interesting things. We've been on this topic of uh, going through Matthew, talking about, you know, king, um, what they expect versus what they got, and then, you know, coming off of, you know, the return of the king. Mm -hmm. So kind of an important word um, that we want to look at here is hope, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Especially since, you know, that's week one for Advent. Which uh, on the day of recording is today. Yeah, today. Exactly. Well, recording part two. But anyways, yeah. Um, so hope. It in the Greek it's el piso. Mm-hmm. And what it what it means is to expect something, to hope mm-hmm. for something, or to look forward to. And kind of had this focus uh when I was writing this out, but going back to Matthew chapter twelve, and then just a couple of verses, um eighteen through twenty-one, right? And it starts out there was a large crowd following jesus and but jesus aware this withdrew from there many followed him and he healed them all and warned them to not tell who he was right and then we go on down it's it's a whole bunch of like old testament scripture so i'm not going to read it all but i will read um verse 21 and in his name the gentiles will hope Mm -hmm. and that's that word we see there Mm -hmm. and so what that and, and it's all about the gentiles You know, who have this hope as well as the Jewish people. And it's through that salvation that he brings. So we hope for that salvation. But then because we are saved, because we're Christians, we also hope for the return of the king. Yep. Right? We look forward to his return. And uh, if you go back through Matthew, um, there's like a ton of references to him as king, and I can give those out in a second. Yeah. Um, But to just look at this king right quick. And what this word means, it's bastileus. That's the Greek. That's the Greek, right. And it really means a monarch Mm -hmm. and somebody who possesses authority. And, you know, this is what Jesus says, right, in chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Mm -hmm. Right. So he knew what he was talking about. These yeah. scribes and the Pharisees, you know, they didn't know what they were doing mm-hmm. compared to Jesus. Like, they didn't have any knowledge at all. Um, and then just, you know, a couple other references to throw out there, 1 Timothy one seventeen and Revelation 19.16. Yeah. We also see this word used. Um, but, you know, and we kind of already answered this question, but why does Matthew write? Um, you know, you said to the Jewish people, mm-hmm. Right. And to show that these prophecies are fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And while I think that is true, we're never really given a specific reason. You know, like usually Paul gives us like, I'm writing to Ephesus or something like that. But we're not really given that with Matthew. No, we're not. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I don't think that takes away from any, you know, uh, credibility Mm. that we have with Matthew. Um, And who did he write to? You know, same, same thing again, Jewish people. And that's actually what I wrote down as well. Um, people unsure if Jesus really was the long expected King and Messiah. Yeah. And I think with all the with all the Old Testament references we see that. And so when we can answer this as well, first century. Mm-hmm. So a long time ago, and it's still held up today. Yeah. Um and so I kind of want to right quick run through a few of these, you know, references in Matthew to King and you know why that's important know Matthew 1 1 uh, Matthew 2 2 chapters five through seven where he's speaking with authority right um, I start chapter 12 verses one through eight mm-hmm. um, chapter 13 24 through 52 uh, 21 through 21 1 through 26 and some of these are going to be references to David mm-hmm. or where um, he's doing something similar to David like in chapter 12 right at the beginning they're uh, they're walking through a field and the disciples are eating from the mm-hmm. grain. And Jesus is like, why are you chastising them? David did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so very specific parallels to him and David. Yeah. And I think that just shows off, you know, his kingly state very well. And it's intentional. Like Matthew does things with intentionality. If you really study the book, you'll see Absolutely, that. Absolutely, he does. And then chapter 35, verse 31. Uh chapter 27, uh, verses 27 through 31, and then um verses 37 and 42, right? And in some of those, um, you know, God will use Satan's antics to prove his point. Yeah. Right. Even when it falls on deaf ears. And if you go read chapter 27, you'll kind of see what I mean by that. Um, but, you know, Jesus is the king. He is. And there are so many Christmas songs that talk about Jesus being king. Mm-hmm. Um, Joy to the world. Yes. Lord, technically, yes. um, is, you know, Kyrios, Lord, mm-hmm. ruler. Uh, would be like a synonym. I mean, I mean, verse two: the Savior reigns. Mm-hmm. The Savior reigns, mm-hmm. and so I think we really need to, uh, you know, we need to understand that. Yeah, Jesus was a child, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what we should really be focusing on is, you know, Jesus came; mm-hmm. he was man; he was king; he is king; mm-hmm. and he's going to return as a triumphant king. Yes, just like they, you know praised him upon entering jerusalem you know the whole world is going to be worshiping him Mm -hmm. whether they want to or not when he Mm -hmm. returns rightfully and so i think during this holiday season you know we just need to remember that that he's king he rules over everything Mm -hmm. uh you know he watches and he's waiting and he's going to come back when he's ready yeah that is true any final thoughts? And so, like, overall, um, this is my final thought, right? I know. just. <laughs> had you. Uh, but overall, I would say, like, you know, if I was to give, you know, Matthew a rating for doctrine, mm. right, overall, I'd say it sits at about, like, a 9, eight and a half, nine out of 10.
0: Okay, yeah. I would agree with you on that.
1: Because it does have a lot of narrative, um, but there are very important parts, like, you know, chapters 1 and 2, mm-hmm. the transfiguration, his death, the healing of the leprous man. Even though that's, I think that's very important for scripture as well. Yeah. Um, and especially the parts where, it, uh, you know, you see scripture referenced and to mm. something he does, like Old Testament scripture. Um, but any final thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd agree with you on that. Uh, I think I'd place probably Matthew and Mark. I'd place a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd place them above Luke for sure. Yeah. Uh, but then we have John and John is just the 10 out of 10. Yeah. When John it comes to doctrine, it's like, yeah, I think it'd be above a 10 out of 10. It would be.
1: Yeah, John is so heavy mm-hmm. when it comes to doctrine and his style Yeah, that it's like a category all its own. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of got a, and it's kind of funny because, you know, when you think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have so much more in common with each other. Yeah, the synoptic than, gospels. Yeah, the synoptics. than John, as with any of them, and yeah. it's just kind of funny, you know, you put John in a category and it's like, oh, well,
0: I'm I'm so excited to get to John by the way. Me too. It's like one of my favorite. I mean maybe it is my favorite New Testament book. It could favorite New Testament. It could be.
1: It's up there. I think it you Top know five. it really shows, you know, Jesus as God. Mhm. And how he's always been God yep. very well. Yep. But that's all for this week. It uh is. next week is Advent
0: 2. Advent week 2. Uh comment if you guys know what week 2 is in Advent. I know what it is. You, I don't know if you know what it is. I do, but
1: yeah, I can't say it on the recording because. Oh yeah, because it would it, spoil it. it. It would spoil it, uh, but you guys on YouTube hit that
0: notification bell, subscribe, hit the like button, hit that like button. We'll be putting episodes out weekly through this holiday season, mm-hmm. with our final episode coming out Christmas Day, which that'll be really exciting.
1: Yeah, and we'll see you guys next week. Yep, see you guys. <laughs> You have reached the end of the record. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our YouTube and also find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify.